0: Before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. Do you believe in ghosts? We do, too. Haunt Me is a weekly paranormal podcast where we read real ghost stories
1: submitted by our listeners. We believe you and we'd love to hear from you. Tune in every Friday on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Stitcher and email your story to hauntmepodcast at gmail.com.
0: Welcome to Perhaps It's You, the unofficial Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast with Liz and Samantha. That's the one. Am I Liz? Am I Samantha? That's for you to decide.
1: I'm sure there's people out there who still have trouble. Well, we don't do a good job of introducing ourselves at all. We, sometimes we don't even say the name of the podcast. No. So we're, we're true professionals. Professionals over here
0: uh, in Minneapolis. Uh, how was your week, Samantha?
1: Pretty good. Not quite as good as yours, though.
0: Yes, I do have some exciting news. Yes. There's a new pod dog. A new one. In the house.
1: And he's so cute. He's basically like
0: a second Lenny Bresco. I just like went and got another one. They're practically twins. They follow each other
1: around all day long. He's so, He has little scruffy ears. I can't stand it. It's so cute. He's supposedly half Schnauzer, half Poodle. I can see the Schnauzer. I don't know where they got the Poodle from. Yeah, I think they just made that up. They were just guessing. Yeah um
0: he's super adorable i'm hoping i can name him ray curtis i think curtis. you can so he can be lenny briscoe's partner so it's a yeah it's an exciting week it's been a short week because we had a holiday weekend and i feel like I, I didn't get nearly as much done as i needed to i
1: definitely did not
0: so um i have like no updates at all i'm not sure anyone listened to our last episode that's fine
1: whatever sure it yeah. was a terrible episode uh, of <laughs> unsolved mysteries not of this podcast the Obviously, podcast was the fine the podcast was amazing the podcast was fine if you haven't joined our facebook group
0: yes. check it out
1: we are on facebook as a group um it's been fun chatting it up with people you can posting meet the cool other shit.
0: four listeners there's some talk of having a book club in there since samantha recommends so many good reads. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Line, a lot of
1: fun. It is the perhaps it's you unofficial unsolved mysteries podcast Facebook group. It's easy to find. We've linked it on our Facebook page. And it's run by listener Liz. Thank you, Liz. Yes. Thank you, Listener Liz. Thanks to everyone who has joined. I hope you enjoyed our Patreon episode of Mothman. That's uh, the thing. about Mothman. I
0: barely remember our last episode of our regular podcast because I've been so Mothman focused.
1: We're hyped on Mothman. 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 Yeah. he's real. Especially Mothman. Liz. Liz is uh, evangelizing Mothman. I really want to go to the Mothman Festival. We're considering going to the Mothman Festival. Uh, I looked at pictures of the
0: different foods and vendors that are there, and it looks super adorable. There's, like, Mothman pancakes. I think they have a pageant, and someone is, like, Miss Mothman or something. (laughs) It just looks, like, so amazing. I really want to go.
1: We might. We we did go as far as looking up how far of a drive (laughs) it is from Minneapolis to that part of West Virginia. It's only 13 hours. So we may... we're still we haven't rolled it out no we have not rolled it out it's in september i think it looks really adorable i don't know what we would do there except eat a lot of mothman pancakes but and probably buy a lot of unnecessary mothman merchandise we could go to the museum too yes we could go to the museum they have like a uh, hayride tours of all of the mothman sighting sites really? around yeah <gasps> i didn't like, even know that. like around the tnt area would you be scared to do that I don't think it's like at night. Yeah, and Mothman hasn't been seen there since the bridge collapsed, as far as I know. That's true. He's in Chicago right now. Yeah, so, that's true. It's fine. Um, I I feel like you would have to do the tour. Oh, while you definitely, were there. definitely. Although, if they offered like a flashlight tour at night, do you th- would you do that? I would be scared. I think I'd be scared too. Mothman legitimately freaks me out. What
0: if I did that, but I brought like a red flashlight <laughs> just to freak people out? Two of them? Yeah. <laughs> that would be so cruel. I wouldn't do that. They would kick you out, I'm sure. Yeah.
1: Or they think, the think it's hilarious. Wa- get the
0: <laughs> hell out of Point Pleasant forever. I feel like it, it could go both ways. No, I think people would be legitimately mad at me, and rightfully so. <laughs> yeah, um, probably yeah i i want to see all of these things we heard from someone that had been to point pleasant and it was lovely and they went to like a pumpkin festival
1: oh they didn't go to the mothman festival no they just
0: like randomly ended up there and then we're like wow this is so nice uh unlike in the movie the mothman prophecies where richard Gere randomly ends up there and it's terrible yeah so that i'm glad it worked out better for for a real person
1: than the fictional person. Sure, that's person. usually how it goes. But yeah. Who knows?
0: So, yeah, I don't know. Well, let I us know go? if you think we should
1: go to the Mothman Festival.
0: I mean, I think we should, but...
1: I think we probably will. <laughs> Just far away. We can make a long weekend of it. <laughs> it's right after I get married, so I've been joking that it's going to be my honeymoon without <laughs> Travis.
0: <laughs> I put a poll on Twitter as if the Mothman Festival should be your honeymoon and the options were yes, absolutely, and also Yes. <laughs> and yes
1: one wow amazing thanks for that (laughs) that helpful input everyone I mean we're not planning on going on a honeymoon so I'm such a dork I might as well go to Mothman the Mothman festival yeah I
0: just want to be able to like walk through the street and say to a complete stranger so Mothman's real and then be like sure is like that's what would happen in my mind.
1: <laughs> you would finally be in like-minded company at the Mothman Festival. <laughs> you just walk up to people. You're like, "So
0: Mothman's real?" And they're like, "Well, obviously."
1: I wondered how how we could get a, like a booth, but I almost don't want to be tied down. Like if we go, I want to. Yeah. I don't want to have to like.
0: Maybe we could have. This is so vain. Maybe we could have some sort of meet and greet thing for our one listener that <laughs> might be in the area.
1: Okay. I don't more want to know, so more on that to come.
0: Okay. I have no other updates. I, do I. Maybe I should, but I don't. And what do we even talk about? Oh, I just talked about makeup forever. Like it was almost embarrassing how long That's I talked about makeup. Pretty
1: much the only thing I remember from that episode because I've blocked it from my brain. Some people were telling us that they watched that segment and did not get choked up, but when they listened to us retell it, that they got like super sad and started crying. I'm sorry to all of you who had. We went through that um I almost, it was terrible and guess what we got another one today i have another extremely sad
0: segment that why made does this keep happening that made me cry is this gonna be a trend every episode of unsolved Mysteries is, is gonna make me cry this this
1: podcast we didn't start this podcast to be sad we started we, this podcast to talk about mothman and bigfoot and murder, which is admittedly sad, but... We don't even know why we started this podcast. Well, I did did last night, I asked Liz, why are we doing an Unsolved Mysteries podcast again? Because I saw what this episode was about. Uh, yes. The, the great thing about an Unsolved Mysteries podcast,
0: even though we're yeah not qualified to host this in any way, is that eventually you get to talk
1: about everything. That's like, true. E-
0: Unsolved Mysteries has its... Tentacles in all subjects. Eventually,
1: really. we'll get to talk about Mothman if we make it yeah. to season six.
0: Yeah, but we can't wait a that long. long. ways so away. I think we did that special. Yeah, so that could be years down the road. I know. Well, if you're following along at home on Amazon Prime, we are on season two, episode nine, nine already, already. Which opens with the best trench coat shot we've seen yet.
1: Uh, Yeah, I posted this in our Facebook group, so you should go join if you want to see it. It is Robert Stack in like a dark alleyway. The cliche in your mind that exists of Unsolved Mysteries, this is like... This is the shot. The shot of it. It's the one. So definitely go check it out because I laughed out loud when I saw it. But it was perfect. It's iconic, really. Yeah, it
0: is. It is like the encapsulation of everything that is Unsolved Mysteries. Because it seems like he's posing for like spooky trench coat catalog. Yes, which just should be a thing.
1: Or the spooky trench coat magazine, and he's yeah. on the cover. Yes,
0: which why isn't that a magazine? It should be. Get rid of GQ. We want <laughs> spooky trench coat magazine. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, but Robert Stagg is no longer with us, so it's pointless. Never mind. Don't bother making it. <laughs> so Samantha has the first mystery, which is a wanted. It is a
1: wanted. And it features um, someone with the best name I think I've ever heard. Mm. This is Miss Priscilla Yazel. <laughs> You're right. That's <laughs> a great name. Well, who doesn't, she's, she's a side character. She's not even one of the main oh. ones. I just noticed that that was her name, and I was like, that's a great name. I Priscilla's, wish that was my name.
0: Priscilla Yazle. It Yazzle. sounds like a character in a children's book. It does. It has a sort of magical flair. Ooh, 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 ooh. I want to say that the Burberry shirt is back.
1: Yes, it is. I also posted that on our Instagram. <laughs> That's I was like, t- okay, Stack, looking good. He's yeah, it's
0: it's he's, something. He's I mean, also
1: extremely serious when he's yeah when he in that shot.
0: I think the sun might be in his eye a little bit. That and could so have been it. He's like, he looks like squinting a dad
1: who's disappointed in you. Yeah, basically, that is what it looked like in that shot.
0: He's telling you how you could have hustled a little harder at soccer today. <laughs> it's like you're not even trying.
1: <laughs> so, um, this is the it's a wanted and we are looking for Maria Armstrong whom Robert Stack describes her as a sweet tempered attractive girl who always had her choice of boyfriends.
0: She's a murderer but those things are also true. This was before she was a murderer (laughs) to be
1: fair. That's how
0: she was growing up. It's
1: just... It's a
0: funny, I don't know, it's a funny way to talk about someone who ends up (laughs) murdering. It's like, oh, no, but she was hot, though.
1: And had her choice of boyfriends. Yeah,
0: okay. I guess that sort of does play into the thing.
1: I guess kind of. So she grew up in South New Jersey. Her boyfriend, Robert Neal, or Ron Argenti, graduated at 17 and joined the National Guard. In 1984, he moved to Mesa, Arizona and began working for McDonnell Douglas. At the same time, Maria, still in New Jersey, began acting strangely. She began slipping into a world of delusion and paranoia, according to Robert Stack. At first, her parents feared that she was using drugs... They had her committed to a state mental hospital where doctors soon diagnosed her as having paranoid schizophrenia. It seems like she was using drugs, but in all likelihood, I'm sure she was self-medicating. Yeah, that's what I wrote down, too. her schizophrenia was severe and bad. It was not, I it was think not good.
0: Yeah. I think they were right that she was using drugs, but the reason that she was using drugs is because she had some severe mental illness. Yes.
1: In June 1988, Ron convinced Maria to move to Arizona and live with him in hopes that she could start over with a clean slate. Oh,
0: Ron. This
1: is not a good idea.
0: Uh, at all, aren't we so optimistic about people we find attractive? <laughs> That's true. It's like as soon as she gets out to Arizona, everything's gonna turn around, and she's gonna be just fine once we're living together. Which I'm not sure how much time they'd actually
1: spent together before he I makes don't this plan. Think very much,
0: yeah. At all. So
1: he hoped that he could help her with her problems, but Ron's family was concerned for his safety for apparently no other reason than that she was in a mental facility. Uh, I mean, they turn out to be right, but... Yeah, it's hard to say how much they thought
0: before. You know what I mean. Since they're talking about it after the fact, it's hard to know what they really True. thought before it happened. What I hated was, I realized this person murdered her brother. <laughs> but one of the sisters was like, I think the reason he was into her is she was so unusual looking. I was like, fuck off. What? Yeah. Like, she was basically saying she was, like, exotic. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. So I was like, okay, now I can't listen to this sister at all because she's a fucking racist.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Everything you say, it's like... I mean, yeah. So for the first few weeks, however, she seemed to be adjusting to living in Arizona. Robert Stack said that she blossomed under Ron's loving attention. Uh Uh-huh. Not
0: really, though. No. no. That's actually not true. No.
1: Maybe at first... There might have been, like, a honeymoon period. It did seem like after she had left... You know, she had been hospitalized back in New Jersey, and she was put on medication. Her
0: medication was working. She was... She had received help. She was wearing some, according to the reenactment, terrible
1: acid-wash jeans. Yes. There was a lot of high-waisted jeans and mullets in these Arizona shots. So... (laughs) I mean, we're here. We are. We're in unsolved mysteries land. Then Ron started working the graveyard shift, and Maria's paranoia started to flare up when she was alone for long periods of time, especially at night. Um, Also, not a good plan. Yeah, a neighbor in their apartment complex began supplying her with drugs. She's moved away from her support system. system. Yeah, and now the person she's living
0: with is gone. So. It's not actually that surprising to me that, that she slipped. This is a bad situation for her recovery.
1: Yes. So before long, Maria accused Ron of plotting against her and began to physically attack him on a regular basis. When his family heard about this, they tried to convince him to take her to a hospital. Um, But he seems to have thought that he could. I don't know for himself i'm not really sure he was trying
0: to cure her with love yeah. and that's not how that works
1: it's, it's not I mean, she needed
0: professional help not i I think he meant well in his own way but yeah. this is not what she needed
1: no finally on november 8th 1988 ron had had enough and he told his sister that he was going to have maria go back to new jersey his sister describes this scene in which maria is in state she is walking around ranting loudly yelling and he's on the phone with her in the same room with her his sister and telling her about how the neighbors have started complaining and i don't know what else and that he's going to send her back to new jersey and his sister claims that he was saying this while maria was in the room so yeah so she heard
0: that she was going to have to move back
1: right the next day we see maria driving to a navajo reservation called Bitter Springs. She was driving his car and trying to sell it. She was also going by the name Sandy and was walking around asking residents where she could get the truck painted.
0: She was doing only the most suspicious things. She was asking, "Can I? where can I get this truck painted? Who can cut my hair and dye it blonde? Uh, would you like to buy this truck? Like, can I hide this truck behind your house for a while? I'm hiding from my boyfriend. Like...
1: It was extremely suspicious
0: though she's wearing some really great fringy boots and a satin jacket true with the world's worst pants
1: the pants were bad they're very big
0: i want to say they're like a slim cut hammer pants i don't
1: (laughs) they're like they're so and they were white which yeah didn't
0: help the situation no it never does
1: some residents noticed that she was behaving strangely. She was seen talking to herself. They all try to phrase it really
0: politely. They were, <laughs> but they're they're basically like, yeah, she was acting like a lunatic. But they're all saying it like, well, I did find it odd that she just walked up to me and asked, "Can you dye my hair button? Like this is not a hairdresser, right? This is just like <laughs> some woman on the some street. Just woman. You just walk up and you're like, "Hey, so can you bleach my hair?" <laughs> like that's not really. Great. So Maria was talking to
1: herself, and she even walked into some homes uninvited. (laughs) Which was? You know, like like you do. The next morning... The Arizona Highway Patrol was called to a residence in Bitter Springs. Maria had left her truck behind someone's house, and the residents believed that it was stolen. The officer later found Maria hiding in a nearby house. He questioned her, but didn't have any reason to hold her, although he did feel suspicious about the incident. Isn't she breaking and entering? That was going to be my question.
0: He was like, I just didn't have anything to hold her on, but I felt like she had done something, was doing something, or was going to do something. She was doing something at the She'd broken into someone's house. She's
1: just walking into people's homes. Yeah, that's that's not legal.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't want to tell you how to do your job, officer, but I'm pretty sure I can't just walk into someone's house and then insist they bleach my hair. You can't. I don't no, think. I don't think
1: so. Don't think I'm not a works. legal expert, but. Four days later, on November 14th, the maintenance man, who I wrote MVM, question mark. Oh. Did you like his mustache? I noticed that his mustache matched his chest hair. <laughs> well, based on that, I did not notice that. Yeah, I kind of regret noticing it, but it is I the first time it. that I've noticed such a thing on the show. Which well, is why, then, okay, that's the which I, is why I wrote it down. There I have a couple other mustaches though later in the episode, but I, there, this is the one that stood out. I
0: have a couple ran down, but none of them with such a hilarious. They were just ones I was lackluster on. Nothing about Chad's hair, so obviously. That is the winner. I'm like shaken now by how funny that is.
1: So at Ron's apartment, this maintenance man noticed a stack of newspapers in front of his door. The maintenance man and the manager went inside and found Ron's body hidden under several blankets and pillows. There was just like, there was tons of blankets and pillows just like piled on this body. Like, no one's gonna find this. Yeah. I think at first when the maintenance man walked in, he
0: thought that was like a pile of laundry. Like, you know, you might like dump out laundry to sort it. But yeah, it was like well, it just a like, haphazard pillow, blanket, like coat, whatever, just like yeah. put on top of his corpse. Like no one will find this now. I
1: don't know if this is actually how the body was posed, but he was sitting on the couch, not like laying down. So imagine like well, someone he just was sitting there. Supposedly
0: sleeping, sitting up because he was so scared.
1: Yes, that is what the show claimed.
0: And that when he fell asleep, she murdered him. So he's, yeah, still sitting on the couch. And, and then just then has she,
1: this pile of pillows and blankets. just thrown
0: linens on him.
1: Okay. Yes. This <laughs> <laughs> is just, it's just an odd case. It is. He had been killed by several blows to the head and a sledgehammer was found next to him. The autopsy revealed... Like a baby sledgehammer. Yeah, that he had also been stabbed once in the side with a wood-handled knife. Did they find that knife? I'm not sure. How do they know it had a wood handle? I, that's a good question. I don't know. It didn't say. Huh. Authorities believe that while he was sleeping in a sitting position on the couch, Maria beat him to death and covered his body. Afterwards, she took his car to Bitter Springs. She was last seen on November 11th, 1988, hitchhiking 269 miles north of Mesa. The police are looking for clues as to where she is. So the result is that she was captured. After this story was re-aired... A viewer contacted the FBI, stating that Armstrong was living in Memphis, Tennessee. The viewer said that she was going to be at the Memphis airport on August 3rd, 1990. The FBI went to the airport and was able to locate and arrest Maria without incident. During her time on the run, she had changed her appearance by dyeing her hair blonde. So she found someone to do it for. Her Her method of just randomly asking everyone finally worked out. She had told authorities that she was planning to fly to New Jersey to be reunited with her family. Two weeks after her arrest, Armstrong was returned to Arizona to face first-degree murder charges. However, while waiting to determine her mental state, she decided to plead guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to 15 years in prison. She was released in 2005 after serving 13 years. My
0: This is a tragic
1: story. Yes.
0: It's a very unfortunate situation. Yes. However, my favorite part of this mystery is when the cop comes into the abandoned house or whatever she's hiding, and she just, like, is hiding behind a bed. Yeah,
1: not very well.
0: And he's like, yeah, come out. I can see you behind the bed. (laughs) He's like, come out, or I'm going to have to drag you out. Because she's just like, whoop, and then is hiding behind a bed.
1: Yeah, she comes out, and she's like, what do you want? Yeah, so like, I want to know why you're here. Why are you
0: breaking into this house and hiding behind beds? Oh
1: yeah.
0: man, yeah. So
1: mental illness is a terrible thing, um, but there's lots of people who have mental illnesses that don't murder people. Yeah, don't, so it's uh, important to point that out. Don't stigmatize people for that. There's lots of people, people with that. schizophrenia that don't murder people. Most people with schizophrenia don't murder people. Yeah, this is an unusual so. and horrible story yeah we can certainly can't blame it entirely on mental illness uh, it's too bad that i mean it just wasn't a, a good idea for her to move to arizona and but who knows what would have happened if she would have stayed up there you know she may yeah. have still done something like this um there's no way to know yeah and it's too bad that ron the guy who played ron in the reenactment was buff as hell i wonder if that's how he actually looked well and also constantly like flummoxed yes like, wha? you, what am I supposed to do? Yes, he, he was that as well.
0: So are you ready for a... Uh, no. no, I'm going to preempt that by saying I'm not ready. This is
1: a rough one. We need some palate cleansers. We really should have had one last week. Um, it is heartwarming. It's very well done. I have mixed feelings about it because in a way it is really uplifting, but it's also... It also did literally make me cry. It, it'll rip your heart out. It's a little... And stomp on it.
0: You know how Schindler's List is like, I don't know, three hours long? This is like a ten-minute Schindler's List. It sure is. Uh, it's just as sad, somehow, almost in a very condensed
1: amount of it time. It really has everything. Like it's, it's Oh, yeah. <sighs> boy, it's the rough one. So this is the lost love. I have to say, as we go through this show, I'm developing a real soft
0: spot for the lost love stories.
1: I, I actually, am I've been too. enjoying them.
0: Well, enjoying them, uh, the, but not
1: the last one, but I. Th- I feel like it's Unsolved
0: Mysteries doing kind of a good deed yeah. of trying to reunite people and it's just a little different look into people's lives. I don't know. I've been appreciating them more since we've been doing this show. Agreed. And this is a very moving case. It's just so horrible that you might want to die. That's
1: all. <laughs> Minor it's detail. a good summation. So this is
0: the story of Holocaust survivor Stephen Ross, originally Shmulek Rosenthal. And he is searching for the American soldier who helped him after he was released from a concentration camp in 1945. Auschwitz. So that's where he was
1: at, Auschwitz? Dachau. Oh, okay. He actually went to... I wasn't watching that closely because I was probably crying. Ten different camps over five years. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, you were probably crying. I guess his... Oh, God. Yeah, I was. (laughs) So,
0: So this opens with Robert
1: Stack, for some reason, standing by a really nice lily pond. I didn't, I didn't get it. I, we see a lot of Robert Stack in this episode. Did you notice that? Yeah, I guess Sometimes we Sometimes we see almost none of him. And
0: he was, like, popping up all over the place in this one. I, I think it's just however they got edited together for Amazon. But no, True. Um, I mean, I guess they weren't going to, like, fly him out to Dachau. So they're like, here he is by Lily Pond, you know. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm already about to start crying. <laughs> so during the war, Shmuelwick's parents decided that they were going to, they lived in Poland, they decided they were going to hide their son with the Catholic family they knew that had a farm. So we see a reenactment of his parents leaving him
1: at the farm. This is extremely difficult it's to watch. so sad. Yes. So he's in the episode Yeah, telling you about all of this. So you get his first-hand account of his parents leaving him. And he is a very moving storyteller, and he is yes. clearly quite
0: moved while telling the story so that really heightens it. This also I should just say you will see concentration camp footage in this. Some of it is reenactments but some of it is actual footage. Yes. So something to be aware of. Um, we see a reen. they sort of we go from black and white actual footage and then they sort of fade it like slowly fades into color as we get the reenactment which is kind of interesting mm-hmm. of his parents bringing him to this farm and saying like,
1: "We hope we'll come and get you at the end of the war." I know. Like, be a good boy, and and then it's interspersed with Shmulek present day, telling the story of like what. Yes. his parents told him and, yes. and that how he was, was going to try and be good and oh my god it's so, so horrible. And that he
0: wanted to be like his father so he didn't cry when his parents left him and that's the last time he ever sees his parents. Oh I'm going to cry right now. Okay <sighs> so he's there for about a year before the Nazis find him and send him to a concentration camp. Robert Stack points out that about half of the holocaust deaths are from poland and that a million and a half of those deaths are children
1: yeah
0: and somehow i'm gonna keep talking about this <laughs> this is so tragic i'm really glad so you get this one this he, week. over the course of five years is moved between 10 different camps he ends up in dachau he explains a little bit about the conditions there. They were working twelve to fourteen hours a day. They barely got any food. He was saying they get a small amount of soup for for lunch and dinner, and then they were splitting a pound of bread between twenty people.
1: Yeah, he said people had so little to eat that they would die they would just every day, keel over dead, while they were working.
0: Somehow, Shmuelik survives.
1: Yes, and, and his it, brother, who was at the camp with him, I'm
0: going to point out. This is, un- this is some unfortunate phrasing. I don't know who this thought was- this was a good idea. When Robert Stack is introducing this segment, he says that it is the triumph of one boy's will. Um. I don't think you should use the phrase triumph of will when talking about
1: a Nazi yeah. story. I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Who in the writing room? <laughs> oh my God. Was that supposed to be like a pun? I- Very questionable.
0: <laughs> I didn't catch I, that. Out. I didn't either. I rewatched this this morning. That's how much I care about this podcast. Folks, so I put myself through <laughs> this again. This is the third time I've watched this segment because I was like, I gotta get this right. This is a really important one. And Mac was there, and he was like, Did Robert just stack? Just say triumph the will the will? And I was like, Oh my god, I didn't even notice because I was so sad. Oh, right. Anyway,
1: not great. No, not great. But he does survive along with his brother, which is remarkable. Yes, because so, like you said, a lot of children died. A lot of children died. Obviously, the oh most the part I'm most amazed about is that they have a photo of the liberation of Dachau, and he's in it. Yeah, it's like one of the most iconic photos. Yes, from You've the concentration probably camps. Seen this photo? I, you definitely have. It's in probably every history book about. Yeah, it's the Holocaust. A bunch of Holocaust
0: survivors standing behind a barbed wire fence. Some of them are like throwing up their hats. I know. Like I'm chill being... even thinking about it as they're being liberated there's the you know famous striped pajamas and one of those children is a now 14-year-old Schmulik happy to be liberated Yeah. and he's the person telling it's crazy um okay so he's 14 his other his older brother is among the people that are freed later they learn that their parents and their six other siblings died in the camps at the time of the liberation April, April 29th 1945 is when the Allied troops reached Dachau. At this time, Shmulek weighed just 60 pounds for a 14-year-old. 14-year-old boy. And was infested with lice. Two days after the liberation, he and the other prisoners were released. As he and the former prisoners are walking down the road, they're heading towards, he said hospitalization. They're getting some sort of medical treatment. Um, there is a U.S. Army tank, and a soldier is sitting on it, eating out of a can <laughs> with a bayonet, which is such a, like cartoonish image almost that it's hard to believe that anyone actually did that so he's like using a bayonet as a spoon to eat his <laughs> I don't, peaches or whatever the hell's in this can right and shmulek kind of like looks up at him starving literally starving and that gi jumps off the tank to give shmulek the food and shmulek is so moved well, first of all, he gives it to his brother.
1: I know. Because
0: he's just an amazing person. But also is so moved by this that he like falls to the ground, grabs the soldier's legs and kisses his boots.
1: Yeah. His, hearing Shmuel like narrate the story, it's is both the most heartbreaking and most like <laughs> even my cold heart <laughs> warm to the thought of the soldier giving him this food and then the handkerchief, don't even get me started with that. Oh my god. Okay. I'm going to s- just... Samantha's on okay. the verge of tears right <laughs> I'm not, right not going to make it through this So one.
0: the the G.I. Like, pulls Shmulek up, stops him from kissing his boots. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, and just embraces him and tells him, though I'm sure there's a language barrier... Everything's going to be okay.
1: Yeah, and Shmirlik was like, he wasn't afraid of getting my fleas. Oh, my God.
0: He's like, he wasn't afraid of my diseases. He wasn't afraid of my lice. He just took me into his arms and showed me a moment of tenderness.
1: That no one ever had before, (laughs) is what he said. I know. It's awful. But also beautiful.
0: Okay. We need a moment. Okay.
1: Okay. We can do this. The
0: GI calls out to one of the other soldiers for some more rations. They give them more food. And he hands Shmulek what he thought was a handkerchief that turns out to be the American flag. Yes. Guys. This actually happened. And then, you know, he gets in his tank and he rides away. This whole interaction is, what, five minutes?
1: Yeah.
0: It's probably very brief. I'm not even sure this soldier would remember that this happened. You know what I mean? Right. Like, he saw a kid that was starving. He gave him some food and, you know, went on his way and kept being a soldier. But this changes Shmulek's life. Yeah, He keeps that flag with him always. He eventually immigrates to the United States.
1: Brings it with him.
0: Brings it with him. And ends up becoming a psychologist specializing in troubled youth because he wants to continue showing that kindness that the GI showed, showed him. And he talks about the idea that someone who was a soldier who was trained to kill could show a moment of sensitivity meant so much to him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really trying not to cry. I'm really, really trying not to cry. Yeah. That he wanted That that's like inspired his whole life.
1: Yeah. It's it's incredible. And they show this beautiful family picture of him of yes. and his wife and his children. He, and then his brother is in the photo. Oh my God. He
0: gets married, he has children, oh, nice. his brother also immigrates to the United States. He, you know, starts this very important work of counseling juveniles and but he really wants to thank the soldier who inspired him and i think sort of gave him some hope in humanity after the literal worst thing that could happen happened
1: yep yeah he said he met the soldier at like the right time in his life like the the absolute like the right minute and second of his life is when he met the soldier and it changed everything for him
0: that it gave him some hope after the literal holocaust
1: yeah surviving yeah. the
0: holocaust
1: yeah <sighs> yeah and oh my god i can't i don't even know what to say i so, you know it's, it's it's such a moving
0: story and to him tell him hear him tell his own story is just i can't really think of anything sadder so this case is solved but unfortunately by the time it was solved the soldier had passed away and shmulik now stephen ross he americanized his name when he moved um oh god i can't i can't can't even do this okay this is from unsolved mysteries wiki i'm just gonna i don't even trust myself in talk. i'm just gonna read it so um gwen allenson the daughter of lieutenant stephen sattler saw a re-airing of stephen's story and was certain that sattler was the soldier stephen was looking for sattler was part of the 191st Army Tank Battalion and had often told her a story of helping a young boy at Dachau the details seemed to match perfectly however at the time she was unable to get in touch with Stephen uh on some call center I don't understand yeah, hello anyway years later she told a story to her niece Brenda Clark who decided to search for Stephen finally on August 26 2012 Stephen Ross received a call from Brenda the granddaughter of his American hero Sadly, he learned that Steve had died on December 7th, 1986.
1: Was he still alive when it first aired? When did think? this
0: first air? Like,
1: I don't no. know. I almost don't. Okay. Okay. This so case
0: was featured as part of a November 29th, 1989 episode.
1: Okay. So So she wouldn't have been able to no. reunite them. Okay. Well, that's a little better.
0: Despite the disappointment of the bad news, he was excited at the prospect of finally finding word of the soldier after 67 years. On November 11th, 2012, Steve United St- Stephen was united with descendants of Lieutenant Steve Satter at a Veterans Day ceremony oh. in Massachusetts State House.
1: Oh, oh, <laughs> what? I'm just trying. Oh, I'm thinking about that ceremony. It makes me just want to cry. I
0: mean, I'm sure that meant so much to him.
1: I bet it did. Oh
0: my god. Um, I cannot believe Nazis are a thing again.
1: Oh my. God.
0: When you. uh, And I can't believe that we don't take in refugees.
1: Yeah, we this should be required. This segment of Unsolved Mysteries should be required viewing for everyone. Samantha's changed her tune. She was like, don't watch this, it's too sad. And she's like, no! Totally changed. Everyone, we should play it on Billboard. Show it
0: at schools. You can't graduate (laughs) until you've watched this segment of Unsolved Mysteries to learn. They
1: make you watch Schindler's List. They should be. They should at least make you watch this. If you learn
0: two things in school, it should be Nazis are bad. We should take in refugees. <laughs> it's a it's a very very moving story. Just you know, be in a good place when you watch it, yeah. because otherwise it'll break you into a million pieces. It's it's a very over the top demonstration of the importance of com- human kindness. Human kindness, yeah, yeah, which is like, a message a lot of people need right now. Yeah. Well, so yeah, that and the Zelenskys.
1: Oh my God! look.
0: Well, like, God bless you. I know. What a heart-wrenching tale. I know. Do you want to talk about espionage? No. Ugh. God. Okay. So this this episode's got a little everything, and it I appreciate really does. I appreciate that about it. However, this one, this one, one, one is boring, and I was still crying from this <laughs> concentration camp story. So my notes for this, I'm sorry, Samantha, I have like no. Notes on well, this at all.
1: The only I have no notes. The only I, thing wrote, I have is spy
0: stories are boring. I'm not even paying attention. Lie <laughs>
1: detectors. <laughs> I okay. First of all, I don't know espionage is not something that excites me no. at all. Even like so, we were talking with Mac right before we recorded this because I was trying to figure out what a double agent really means. And espionage in real life is not like espionage in movies. It's super boring. It's so boring. And that's what this guy was doing. And so, but I'm not even interested in espionage when it's like in an action movie. So I'm really not interested in this story, but here we go. It's an unexplained death.
0: (laughs) At 11 p.m. I think it's actually super explained, but that's okay.
1: Yeah, I think it is too. At 11 p.m. on the evening of April 13th, 1976, Ralph Siegler, a U.S. Army intelligence officer, was found dead in his motel room near Fort Meade, Maryland. The Army ruled his death a suicide. They claimed that he had wrapped electrical wire around his arms and electrocuted himself.
0: No one commits suicide that this way. Is not. Have you ever heard of that in your life? No, this is
1: ridiculous. There's no way.
0: is a spy. He doesn't have a gun. He's like, you know what I'll do?
1: Electrocute myself to yeah, death. Yeah, this makes no sense. Sounds like a terrible way to go. Yeah. Two weeks later, he was laid to rest. His daughter noticed that his nose was broken, some teeth were missing. In that there were several strange bruises and other marks on his body that seemed inconsistent with suicide. I
0: really respect this woman because at least, oh, yeah. according to the reenactment, right? They're at the funeral home. She tells her family, like, I just want a minute alone with dad, and they like leave her with the coffin, and then she's like looking at his teeth, <laughs> rolling up his sleeves. Like, she's full-on investigating. Her mom comes in, and she's like, what are you doing? You know, she's what? like, Mom, look at this. Look she's this. taking his gloves his off. His nose is broken. And yeah, he is. he's covered in bruises. She's
1: like, yeah, I don't, She. she's one of us. She, yes, that's what I was thinking when I was watching this. <laughs> so, from 1966 to his death, Ralph was a double agent working for the United States. See, this is why I was confused. He was a double agent for the United States? Was he Russian originally? I don't know. This is why I was confused. This is not... Maybe it's just too boring for me to
0: follow, but I don't think this segment is very well produced because it was hard to tell what was going on.
1: I'm still not clear on what a double agent is. Mac explained it to me and I thought I understood it, but now I'm reading this and I don't... I'm confused again. Okay. So what we were thinking was that he was an American
0: agent pretending that he had turned and was giving information to the Russians.
1: Mac said that was a triple agent. Oh, this is okay, this is what your husband said that if you are an American yeah. and you go to the other country to spy oh, on them I you fl- you've like fl- And then flipped. they find out and so then you start selling American secrets. That's a double agent. To the like the Russians for we'll just use Russia for, for example. Then you're a double agent. But if you go over there as an American into Russia and you are spying and they find you out, and you're like, oh, I'm going to be a double agent, but you're really lying to them, and then you're secretly selling the Russian secrets back to the U.S., then you're a triple agent. Okay. That makes sense. So, But I don't understand it in the context of the con- <laughs> No, because now I'm confused because it says, and I'm reading off the wiki because I couldn't bring myself to take notes on this, Ralph was a double agent working for the United States. So I don't, Whatever. I don't understand. In December 1966, he arrived in Mexico City after being recruited by Army Intelligence. One of the Western Hemisphere headquarters for Soviet espionage, espionage was their Mexican embassy. My question... I don't understand any word of that. <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> I don't
0: know. Why? But my question that I wrote down was, was this actually shot in Mexico City? Like, it looks like it is. It kind of did.
1: The locales were nice, wherever they were. Did they actually go to
0: Mexico City to shoot that? or I don't know. Did they just trick me? Because it seemed like he was going into the embassy. Maybe. Not that I'm familiar with what the embassy looks like in Mexico City. No clue. Anyway,
1: one afternoon he met with KGB officials and told them that he was prepared to deliver stolen documents that detailed US missile development. The Soviets took the bait, so and his double agent operation began. So, I think what we thought was a triple agent is actually a double agent. Okay, I think. Throughout the next decade, Ralph contacted his Soviet employers through clandestine methods, giving them misleading information that he received from his superior Louis Martel. The documents that Ralph gave the Soviets were made so that the Soviets would copy them and create missiles that did not actually work. This makes no sense. The plan succeeded and the Soviets spent years developing failed missiles.
0: Woo-woo! Take that, Russia! Samantha's like, what are you?
1: I don't know what to say about this whole thing, I you don't guys. Know. Along with giving Soviets misleading information, Ralph also exposed Soviet agents to the FBI. One of the most important was Rudolf Herman, a Soviet master spy who lived and worked in the United States. The FBI asked Ralph to keep his part of the mission secret. He agreed. In 1976, Ralph was sent to San Francisco and given a polygraph examination by Army Intelligence. The results indicated that he was deceptive when asked questions about the information he gave to the Soviets. I don't understand. We take a huge leap from him being what sounds like the best spy around. He's selling these fake missile plans to the Russians that that caused them to literally make missiles that didn't work. That sounds like he should get a medal. And then, for some reason, they just suddenly fly him to San Francisco and start polygraphing him. And if they don't explain why, like, if anything had happened, or what, or someone, I don't know, uh, narked on him, I don't... That's a matter
0: of national secrets, Samantha. I guess, but it's just a huge leap. Yeah, Uh, it doesn't make any sense, because... Clearly, at some point, the Army doesn't trust him anymore, but we don't know why.
1: We don't know why.
0: Were- and I'm sort of falling asleep
1: also. <laughs> some believe that he failed this part of the test because of the secret relationship he had with Rudolf Herman. Since he failed the examination well, well. in San Francisco, he was given more polygraphs each time he failed. We all know that polygraphs are not reliable. Yeah, it's if weird. If you're just stressed out, you can fail a polygraph. Like, Or if you're a sociopath, you can pass them. <laughs> like... They, that's why you can't admit they're not admissible in court for a reason.
0: I am surprised they would rely on that so heavily.
1: Yeah. I don't know. This
0: is just making me a think we got H- a good um iTunes Apple podcast review recently that said that we don't hold back when we don't like a segment. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's true. That's true. That's true. We will be very truthful if something is So boring that I was literally texting Samantha, this is boring, while watching
1: it. (laughs) The day after the last failed examination, Ralph was scheduled to undergo an intense interrogation. This is not what they called it in the show. What did they call it in the show? You just see me shrugging. Which I'm assuming is like torture. I don't know. Yeah, they tortured him. During this, he would be treated as if he was a traitor. 24 Why? hours. Why? I don't know. Because <laughs> no, he failed the polygraph? I don't get it. That's not good. Don't do that. No. 24 hours before the scheduled interrogation. Also, they like, I don't know. I just, for some reason it gets me. They're like schedule his torture. Like they put it on a calendar. That's I'm, probably true. I'm, I'm imagining true. them using Outlook and like... Sending out All meeting right. requests <laughs> to like subject line torture, uh,
0: Ralph. So our best torturer, actually, he's got some sick leave coming. So oh, man, let's... every
1: conference room is booked. What are we gonna do? Where are we gonna
0: torture this guy? So uh <laughs>
1: if that probably is how it works. I'm sure it is so
0: disturbing. Yeah. Ralph but, called his oh, wife. Oh if only Henry didn't have the day off. He's our best torturer.
1: <laughs> oh, bring in Steve, I guess. He'll do. So right before the scheduled interrogation, interrogation, mm-hmm. Ralph called his wife. According to her, he sounded distraught and told her to hire a lawyer. Then he told her that she had to sue the U.S. Army. He ended the call by saying, "I'm dying. I never lied," which is kind of in the reenactment. It's a little bit heartbreaking. Yeah, he's just like, "I'm dying." And I'm like, oh, God. Because she just, like, picks
0: up the phone at work, which seemed to be, like, a dress shop. And she's like, oh, hey, honey, how's it going? Uh, so we're going to have pork roast for dinner. And he's like, no, get a lawyer. Sue, sue the army. army. I'm dying, and I'm not lying to you. Click. And yeah. she was going, what the fuck?
1: I know. And this is the other thing I don't understand, is he's not detained? He's, like, walking around? Because he died in a hotel, couldn't none he just, this. like, bounce if he was if he knew that his uh, no. interrogation his had been torture scheduled?
0: has been scheduled, Samantha. <laughs> He's not going to miss that appointment. So. I I get none of this.
1: I don't understand. I just
0: wrote down, I 100% believe the army killed this dude.
1: Yeah. After the call ended, she went home and contacted army intelligence. Several hours later, Ralph was found dead. The police were called, and an investigation began into Ralph's death. There appeared to be no sign of a struggle in the room. There are also... Appeared to be no injuries on Ralph's body other than those he received from falling out of the chair stacked on a larger chair. What? Why did he need to stand on two chairs to electrocute himself?
0: They didn't even put that in the reenactment because Uh, it makes no sense.
1: He was bleeding from the nose when he was found. The locks on the room's door had been double locked from the inside. Based on the evidence, the police believe that Ralph stacked one chair on top of the other, so... That he could be next to the light switch, which was on the ceiling? I don't understand. Oh, yeah.
0: That makes... (laughs) Okay. So he saw a light switch that in this shitty hotel room is on the ceiling. A great place to put light switches. And he thought, you know the most convenient way to kill myself is to stack two chairs on top of each other like a motherfucking clown, sit on that. Like he's on America's Got Talent. Yeah. Samantha's least favorite show. Put wires into the light switch and around his wrist.
1: Yeah, he took the lamp cord, sliced the wires, and wrapped both wires around his biceps. He then plunged the cord into the socket, sat on the top chair, placed the wire into a cup of water, using what? the water as a conductor, and turned the light switch on. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. The police and the army. Closed I've heard the of that case story once. I've heard it a thousand times.
0: I mean, why even make this unsolved mystery? We're all familiar with this manner of suicide, <laughs> where you stack chairs on top of each other for ceiling light switches. <laughs> and,
1: and you have, so you have wires wrapped around both biceps. You have a Dixie cup of water. I don't How know. is he even balancing
0: on these chairs? You're, you're
1: putting the wires into the socket, and then into a cup of water and you're balancing on two chairs
0: i think this guy should have just canceled his torture appointment frankly <laughs> i there's probably like a 60 dollar no show fee like when you don't go to your doctor but
1: <laughs> these are the darkest <laughs> jokes so the police and the army closed the case ruling it a suicide however ralph's family and several others believe he was murdered by soviet agents I don't think he was murdered by Soviet agents. Yeah, I don't know why they think the Soviets got this guy.
0: Because this makes no sense. They don't want to think that their own government killed him.
1: I guess, except
0: that he called and said sue the U.S. Army. <laughs> but then they were like, "Oh, the Russians made him say that." Where I don't. Where were yeah. these Russians? What?
1: It was the army that was sending him to polygraph tests and scheduling him to be tortured. When did the Russians get him? I don't know. Journalist Never. Joe and Susan Trento have written the book Win- Widows about the case. They are convinced that Ralph was It's a murdered. terrible title. I know. They learned that during the polygraph examinations, Ralph was told that he would not be prosecuted if he told them the truth. It seems unlikely, then, that he would commit suicide because of the investigation.
0: Then what, what is the point of the investigation? I
1: don't know. The they were tr- like,
0: we just want to know what happened. That really sounds like the army, doesn't it? We don't care what you did and we forgive you, but we just want to know. Ta- you can talk to us, the US Army.
1: Maybe that's what they said. That's our new
0: slogan. Their new <laughs> slogan is, you can talk to us, US Marines, or whatever.
1: So the Trentos also spoke with an electricity expert who I'm assuming is an electrician. I don't... An electricity expert. Okay. They stated that the injuries to Ralph's arms could not have come from a 110-volt circuit that would be found in his motel room. Oh, really? Yeah. I think I might be the
0: electricity expert that said that (laughs) because... Also, he said it's really stupid to put light switches on the ceiling. You know, the more that we talk about this case, the more I like it, actually. Because they didn't say it well but this is absurd yeah it really is this is turning into like an existentialist play i honestly didn't realize how
1: absurd it was i think because i was just so confused about this espionage stuff but But now that i'm reading it i'm like this is ridiculous how hard it would be to commit suicide this way yeah it'd be impossible yeah the Trentos believe that Ralph was kidnapped by the KGB, tortured, uh-huh. and then murdered. A motive may have been to uncover an operation that the U.S. Army didn't even know about. What? Which is the most far-fetched. That's just made up. Why wouldn't you think that the U.S. Army? The Army is the one that had him. Yeah, I for don't... reasons we don't know or understand. They're not apparently not telling. Right. So, so they clearly so... didn't trust him anymore. <clears throat> Uh, the police and the U.S. Army believe that Ralph committed suicide. Authors Joe and Susan Trenton believe that he was kidnapped, tortured, and murdered by KGB agents. It's Allegedly, funny that they're
0: both wrong. <sighs> anyway. Oh, my God. Don't come after me, Army. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Liz, Liz disappears under mysterious circumstances next Oh my god, week. Dude, don't rendition me. They were like, it's interesting to note that the Soviets have used electrocution for torture in the past. You know
0: who else has? The Chicago PD. Yeah. That's not really that uncommon of a torture technique.
1: No, so it's unsolved. Unsolved. No further clues in Sigler's death, death have been revealed. Sadly, his wife passed away in 2009 at the age of 81. Wow. Oh.
0: Well I guess we'll never know, wink wink. Yeah. Um I it's interesting to put these two stories back to back. Because you had a story where we're like, God bless that GI and God bless America. And then we immediately go to this spy shit where we're like, I'm pretty sure the army just straight up killed that dude. Well that was gone. Yeah. It's a nice five seconds <laughs> it was fleeting. think it really does demonstrate how you can have a problem with an entire institution such as the army but that doesn't mean that individual people aren't capable of doing good right so profound we saw we saw a soldier who showed kindness but the machine of the army is apparently scheduling torture sessions (laughs) so yeah if i speak ill of the army i'm not speaking ill of your family members or yourself who may have served or the wonderful
1: man who inspired yes yeah
0: that's not, that's not on individual people necessarily. That no. is a problem with an entire institution that I really, really hope doesn't rendition me. Because we don't know who did it. It's so unsolved.
1: Wow. Let, it was a suicide.
0: <gasps> yeah, I believe it was a suicide. Yes. And I think I'm going to put all of my light switches on the ceiling <laughs> from now on. <laughs>
1: fucking hotel is that? I don't understand. What a nightmare. That you need two chairs you stacked on top of each other like, to reach a light like switch.
0: A <laughs> you have to like go outside and
1: cut a switch
0: so that you can turn your lights on. You're, You're just like, like I, I'm just gonna sleep with the
1: lights on. You walk in there with your with your partner and you say, can I please, can you lift me up on your shoulders so that I can turn the lights on? <laughs> you get one of those like grabby hand things. <laughs> like, uh, uh, uh. Is it one of the ones with the T-Rex on the end? Yes. <laughs> My, you, I don't know if
0: they advertise this anymore, but do you remember the clapper? Yes, that turns off the lights? Of course, uh, clap on, clap off. That it's
1: this it, motel needed one of those because their yeah. light switches were on the ceiling. Well, my
0: brother once got me that as a gag gift, the clapper. And the problem is that if you make any noise at all, <laughs> your lights your go. lights go off. You can't even like watch TV because <laughs> <laughs> your lights go off. So I don't. Endorse the clapper. I'm excited about our next mystery. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm -mm. So, this mystery involves a topic we're pretty much always up to talk about. The Night Stalker. Yes. And it's actually a witness. But I thought I would give people just a little Wikipedia rundown. Nice. Who the hell is the Night Stalker? Maybe you don't know. Maybe you have more healthy hobbies and you're, (laughs) you're not aware. So... Who was the night stalker well don't worry he's been caught his name was richard ramirez uh he was known well, he was a serial killer he was also a rapist and burglar um he was had was highly publicized at the time for a home invasion crime spree in the greater los angeles area um so this was taking place from june 1984 until august 1985 um the media prior to his arrest, was calling him the Night Stalker. He used a variety of weapons, including handguns, knives, a machete, a tire iron, a hammer. Part of the reason that he wasn't caught for a while is because his crimes were very random. Mm-hmm. They span, he, His victims spanned different ages, different ethnic backgrounds, and he didn't really have a pattern, per se, um, other than breaking into people's homes at night. So yes. he was that... Kept him elusive for a while. He was also an avowed Satanist, so maybe that's another reason not to become a Satanist. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not gonna really go into his crimes. They're brutal and horrible. um I think he had 13 victims in all.
1: He he committed 25 rapes. I think. Yeah, and then he had like over a dozen murder victims.
0: Yeah. And, yeah, it's pretty brutal, and I'm I'm just not going
1: to go my into My favorite part of the story, though, is about how he was captured. Oh, Do you oh, want to talk about that? We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> that's so my, my favorite.
0: Just, I'm going to do a little bit about his childhood, because I feel like you hear this and you go, oh, yeah, that's why that guy became a serial killer. Oh, yeah. Because sometimes, despite people really looking into people's backstories, they can't really find, like, why did this person become such a horrible monster? There isn't always a clear sign. Right. This one is plain as day. Yep. So Ramirez was born in El Paso. Um, He was one of five children. That's not special. He did have two serious head injuries, which seems to always be the case, um, including a dresser fell on him and he got 30 stitches. So not good. He was also knocked out by a swing. Anyway, the real problem was that he had a cousin who had served in the Vietnam War. Oh, yeah. And would tell extremely gory stories about his quote unquote kills. Uh, and how he had tortured people, and he also had Polaroids of that. Yeah. Which he would show Richard Ramirez as a young child. So. Not great. Not great. And it gets worse. It gets worse. Uh, his cousin went on to murder his wife or girlfriend? His wife. In front of Richard Ramirez. He shot
1: her in the head.
0: Uh, and the blood from that, like, splattered. Yeah. On Richard Ramirez. Yeah. So,
1: not really surprised
0: he became a serial killer. No. I'm not really. Does everyone that terrible things happen to you become a serial killer? No.
1: Last podcast but- on the left also said that he went and lived with a relative. I don't remember exactly what the relation was, but the man in that relationship was a peeping Tom and uh... would take Richard Ramirez with him on like, I don't even know, peeping Tom <laughs> expeditions? I don't even know what you would call that. Like sure. outings? He talked about peeping. Yeah peep yes it's like bird watching for people right
0: Uh, (laughs) terrifying peeping (laughs) let's go out peeping oh my god it's the worst
1: when you don't don't do that in the context of birds it sounds lovely oh my god like a
0: peep so I watch a lot of forensic files as we've discussed uh and I usually find it very soothing despite the fact that it's about brutal horrible murders it's just that narration Maybe it's that guy's voice yeah is that ASMR I don't know
1: Every episode, I'm going to ask that question. (laughs) Maybe. Still don't know. But the ones
0: that really freak me out are the ones that involve window peeping.
1: And I think it's just because,
0: like, statistically, that's a lot more likely. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm probably not going to get serial murdered. Right? Probably not.
1: But you'd probably get peeped on.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know. Just freaks me out. Anyway. So, he would go out peeping. Great. Great. He also began using LSD, and which probably is irrelevant, and cul- cultivated an interest in Satanism. Also probably irrelevant, but I think it's something a lot of people associate with Richard you know, Ramirez. all
1: the articles re- say how he started smoking marijuana at 10 years old. Like, that should have helped him. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that has anything to do yeah, with anything. Yeah, same with the LSD. Like, if anything, it should have been... I mean, maybe the idea that he was 10
0: sort of shows that he didn't have proper sure. parental support or whatever, yeah, yeah. but yeah the marijuana itself isn't that
1: should have stopped all this it made him a serial killer (laughs) that's right maybe he was smoking 40 joints and that was what (laughs) then he would have passed out on
0: some tracks man though and none of none of this would have ever happened um as an adolescent he started working at a local holiday inn and would use the passkey to rob sleeping patrons and uh his appointment abruptly ended when he was caught trying to Rape a woman and her husband walked in
1: and like beat him within an inch of his life,
0: apparently. Yeah, you know, he had it coming as you would. Yeah, so he went on to murder 13 people and rape a lot more. Terrible, one of the worst humans ever. Don't worry, he died in prison awaiting his death sentence of cancer. Yep, so but how did he get caught? You wonder,
1: my favorite part about this, yes.
0: So, and it ties into our mystery. He was identified by Alejandro Espinosa. And the mystery is that Alejandro never collected the reward that he was entitled to. So we'll talk about this mystery, and then we'll talk about how he gets caught, because it's the most amazing thing ever. So um, Alejandro, who also went by Alex, made an anonymous call to the Los Angeles Police Department on August 26, 1985, and revealed that he knew the identity of the serial killer the media was calling the Night Stalker. So... Um, he made an appointment to come in and talk to the police and he said that he had a friend named Richard who he carpooled with who kept bragging about burglaries he would committed. And Alejandro was starting to notice that those quote unquote burglaries were lining up with the dates of the crimes of the murders. And the reason that he had talked about this with Alejandro is because he was stopping by a fence to sell stolen goods. And I think, you know, maybe Alejandro wasn't going to turn him in for stolen goods. But then figured out, oh, he's breaking into people's homes and brutally murdering him. Yeah, I'm going to turn him in. Yeah. Right? So he makes this appointment. He talks to the police. He's, you know, very forthcoming. He helps them find the fence he's using to sell the stolen property. At one of the crime scenes around the same time, the Night Stalker has left a fingerprint and they have a previous mugshot. I think it was for a theft. Anyway, he was in the system. Mm-hmm. So they asked Alejandro to identify, Is this? A, are we talking about the same Richard? And he identifies him from that photograph. That photograph ends up being in like every paper yep. in the Los Angeles area without Richard Ramirez noticing right away. <laughs> so Richard Ramirez, I think, gets on a bus, tries to go see his brother or something, comes yep. back into town, and suddenly is like bombarded with his own face. And people... As he's recognizing himself on the paper, recognize him. Yes. And start chasing him.
1: Yeah, well, right before that, because... It's the best part of the story. It's the best, and I wrote it down. So he goes into a convenience store in East Los Angeles. In the store, he notices a group of elderly Mexican women looking at him and fearfully whispering to each other. One of the women, women speak up, loudly declaring that it's El Matador, which means the killer in Spanish. Ramirez looks around, seeing his face on the covers of every newspaper on the racks, and flees the store. He runs across the Santa Ana freeway, attempting to carjack a woman, but a mob was chasing after him at this point, and... Uh, chased him away. People are literally just chasing him down the street street, because so many people recognize
0: him and this woman has called out it's the killer.
1: He attempts two more carjackings but is eventually subdued by the mob who proceed to beat him. One man striking him in the head with a pipe. Some vigilante mob
0: justice. It would be bad except that he was super guilty and they were right. So... Yeah. It's an awesome image to just picture (laughs) Richard Ramirez running for his life down the road in this you know, people are, like, coming out of their houses, right? Like, the mob is getting, like, bigger and bigger. <laughs> They've to, like, got weapons. The guy has a pipe. They <laughs> just chase him down and they're like, ah! Because this is a tight-knit community that's been terrorized for the past year and they're they're going to get that bastard. Get him.
1: And then they show the footage in Unsolved Mysteries of him, the car pulling up that has Richard Ramirez, and his head is all like bandaged, like a cartoon. Yeah. Like the bandage goes all the way around his head. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. He had that coming for sure. So the mystery
0: is that Alejandro was entitled to a reward of $6,388 for his part in getting richard ramirez arrested but he never claimed it and actually no one knows what happened to alejandro he's never claimed that money um this segment ran in february 21st 1990 if alejandro is dead someone in his family could still claim that money but it's it's so nice that
1: they're trying to find this guy to give him his reward money
0: i mean i don't know that the los angeles whoever has that money cares so much but unsolved mysteries was like let's get it to him yeah and it, i don't know where I, where are you alejandro get your money get your money get your six grand
1: yeah
0: uh thanks for doing a good deed mm-hmm. and yeah that image of all those people chasing him down is so good i
1: love it i love the little old ladies in the convenience store recognizing him and shouting you, it out it's you <laughs> yeah and then everyone chases him i love it did he have a like he had a yes,
0: pentagram carved in his, his, his hand. That's why everybody has that, like, he's a Satanist. Yeah,
1: at one of his first court appearances, he held that up, like, held his hand up with a pentagram and, I don't know, he yelled, hail, hail Satan or something. Okay. He loved, you know, whether or not he was actually a Satanist, it seems like he loved terrorizing people and he knew yeah. that, you know, he could say, I, miss, I worship Satan and it would strike fear into... Sure. Everyone in the courtroom. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows what he actually I mean, He probably it, believed in nothing. Oh yeah. So I don't know, the whole Satanism thing. I think this
0: is like you know, satanic panic times. Yeah. So he's he kind of playing into that. Yeah, and
1: he had a great time doing it.
0: They show this clip of him on Unsolved Mysteries after he's been sentenced to death where he's like, Whatever, death is always part of the deal. I'm going to Disneyland. <laughs> you're like, all right. I'm sure he likes all the attention sadly
1: yes that's what i think yeah so
0: it's a little unfortunate we know his name unfortunately but we also think it's great that he was beaten by a mob so yeah i don't know
1: sure do that's it for this episode should we read it (sighs) yes goodbye episode nine mysteriousness okay um Huh. The I guess Wanted l- wasn't super mysterious. I guess it's a little
0: mysterious because who did that guy commit suicide? We don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it depends on how you... I don't know that well, we think it's did super did did mysterious. It. Oh, no, I definitely do. <laughs> I'll never know the answer. And also, Alejandro, where are you at?
1: Yeah. Eh, eh, sideways. Yeah, I'm a thumbs sideways. What did you think of the reenactments?
0: Well, you have... Heartbreaking Holocaust reenactments. You also have a woman hilariously hiding behind a bed. You yeah. have it's it's a whole range.
1: It is it is a range. Um, Nothing like stood out to me though. I mean, no. they were kind of just your standard run of the mill unsolved mysteries reenactments. Well,
0: yeah, did they go to Mexico for that spy mystery? I'm not sure. That spy mystery actually is so horribly told that yeah. it should get a thumbs down just for that.
1: Yeah, I because think I'm a down. it's. It was mediocre at best.
0: Maybe I'm super dumb, but that was not I'm easy to follow. I'm still confused about that. It, why did the government turn on him? He
1: was a great spy. It's why do people like. think that it was the Russians that killed him?
0: Why would it? Okay, was he most, a double
1: agent or a triple agent? I still don't know. The most mysterious
0: part of this is why anyone would put a light switch on a ceiling.
1: That is, yes. Okay. Thumbs up for that mystery. Yeah, that's the real that mystery. That is the real mystery in this episode.
0: Um, um. What yeah. else? We got uh, fashion.
1: There was good fashion. There was actually. good fashion. Yeah. Actually, I really like the fashion. And uh, Robert Stack had a variety of outfits. Include uh, that tie though came back. Ugh, Remember that ugly tie we talked about? That had like the sword of paisley, but it was like weird, Pattern-y. squiggly lines. Yeah,
0: it's like a very eighties geometric. Someone design. on Twitter was
1: speculating that because. Robert Stack would sometimes like switch his ties out with a, which, with whatever dude was nearby, that that might be why. But this tie has I made th- a comeback. No. So I think it ha- was a staple in Robert Stack's closet. It's,
0: it's probably like Armani or something, but it's still hideous.
1: Yeah, we had the Burberry shirt, t- button up shirt, back. Yeah. and that trench the trench coat at the coat beginning. And like mwah. every color of suit you could imagine he was wearing. In yeah. This episode. So, so fashion's good. Thumbs up. And our MVM went to the maintenance man who yes. had the chest hair. Um,. So some some good mustaches. Mm-hmm. Uh that's it for this episode. Out of five possible Robert Stacks, what would you give this one? You know, I'm in, not really sure. And talking about it. about it, I like it more than when we started. Right. So that's why I have mixed feelings. So I I'm like a three point five maybe. That's
0: exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah. Samantha We're like insane. We're in the same level. We are. I really was gonna go like, eh, I guess a three, but that's spy mystery so boring. But now that I think about how absurd that suicide is, I like it more.
1: Yeah, I'm a three point five, I think, out of five Robert Stacks
0: you do and it's i mean this is a variety pack if there ever was one
1: little of everything cool <laughs> Samantha's
0: just like yeah, i was whatever, just yawning
1: Liz. from the espionage mystery we got recommendations coming at you Liz what do you got
0: uh my recommendation is something we've talked about on the show before is the podcast relic oh, yeah. which is the lost treasure podcast mm-hmm. now you might be thinking Liz you don't like treasure and Samantha hates treasure with the passion of a thousand sons. Now, the treasure mysteries on Unsolved Mysteries, there's just, it's it's not, it, there there isn't treasure. It's a treasure hunter. So. But if you would like to learn about actual treasures, that is a great podcast. Maxwell's the host. He's amazing. The reason I'm specifically recommending it now is I just listened to part two of the season finale, and it's really good. But part one of the season finale really ties into some things that we've talked about on the show before, because it is an actual decent Nazi mystery, for one. But more importantly, he traces back the idea of an Aryan race, this supposed ideal race that Hitler had in mind. Where did that idea come from? Hmm. Aliens.
1: <laughs> Makes total sense. To
0: Makes total sense. The with- Nordics, possibly?
1: Yes. Oh, I'm becoming an alien
0: expert, thanks yes! for this podcast. So... Way back in the day, crazy racist people thought that the that, that Aryan people were, like, actually from another world. What? And that's why they're here. They wait, they actually thought? This
1: isn't a, cons- a conspiracy theory? No. Okay, that's where I thought you were going with this.
0: No. People used to really think this. Oh. I mean, like, crazy racist people, but... Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, so probably most of the population. <laughs> <laughs> this was a real theory that was out there at the time that the Ary, quote-unquote Aryan race was actually, you know, from outer space. And that's why they were perfect. And they they oh conceived through, like, electric mind melds or something. well those people had 23 and me. But I had no idea that's where that concept came from. He, he does specify that Hitler probably didn't believe the alien part. He just liked the, like, pure race part. Sure. Okay. Yeah, he's only that It crazy. was his
1: excuse to murder millions of people. Yes, exactly. So he liked that.
0: But other people definitely believed this alien theory, which is where the idea of Nordic alien. I knew we knew that had to be racist. Yeah, this well, idea it sounds that, very racist. That blonde, tall people come White from people, outer yeah. space. And you're like, yeah, okay, that's where that idea comes from. It just oh still lives on as Nordic aliens. It's crazy. I going to go and listen to that right now. It's so interesting. It's so interesting. So and, here's
1: my question though: What does that have to do with the treasure?
0: Okay, so he is talking about like Nazi occult. Treasures.
1: Oh, but but that's like the
0: backstory. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Like,
1: see, even that sounds interesting to me. It's very. Maxwell does all
0: the research we don't do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You mean there's not a treasure wiki that he just like pulls up and Uh, reads off of? So he's
0: actually looking, and he's knowledgeable, and so he tells an interesting Nazi mystery with all of the backstory that you need.
1: See, and if it was us telling it, we would just be like, I hate this. This is dumb. That's boring. Why? Instead
0: of this totally fascinating root of a racist idea, which, and then it's possible that that idea came from people from ancient Greece visiting, like, Iceland and Scandinavia, and then coming back and telling that story and being like, there's a land where the sun never sets, and everyone's tall and blonde and perfect. Oh, my God. And then that became this idea that, like, they're from another world, and they have magic powers, and... Blah, blah, blah. Wow. Well, that's yeah. crazy. It's fascinating. You have to check it out. This is the season finale for the first season of Relic. And even though it's about treasure, I couldn't recommend it more.
1: Nice. Yeah. Uh, so my recommendation is not, is very frivolous comparison to yours.
0: Uh, um, do you remember that I talked about fucking drugstore makeup for like half an hour <laughs> last week? What are you talking about?
1: Well, this is something that I haven't been able to shut up about on Instagram this last week. And it is a seltzer water.
0: Oh, yes.
1: That I went... <sighs> This is so good. I, and I, I meant to look up the person on Twitter who mentioned this, and I forgot. So shout yourself out if you're listening to this episode. So you were on Twitter demanding snacks a while ago. Don't know if you remember yeah. this. Yeah, as I regularly do. Right. And sure. someone in the comments on your Twitter feed said that they would like to send us some polar seltzer water and I in the like, flavor blueberry lemonade. Okay. And I was reading this, which, by the way, if you're still wanting to do that.
0: Yeah, there's an address on our website. You can totally um, do that.
1: Check it out. Uh, Send us all the snacks. I was like, I've seen polar water in the store. Usually I'm getting LaCroix, but I've seen it. And blueberry lemonade sounds delicious. So I went on a hunt, a treasure hunt, if you will, (laughs) trying to find this water. For a real treasure. I looked at Target. I looked at the Festival Foods by my house, which I figured it wouldn't be there. Sure. I checked. I went to Kowalski's.
0: Uh-huh. which is the if you don't know the really fancy grocery store. They have carpet. Store.
1: It's a it's a grocery store with carpet. I'm sure you've got them in your town. <laughs> They're very fancy. You go there to buy very fancy to buy shit. I was like they've got to have it. Take you out to your car with Guess your what groceries. they didn't have it. They didn't even have that brand at all.
0: Um, well, that's good cuz if they had had it it would probably would have cost $900.
1: Some stores had this brand, but they did not have the blueberry lemonade.
0: And then you burned those stores to the ground. I should
1: have. But I finally found it at Cub Foods. In my town but i was only so they only sell this is why i'm saying if you still want to send us some i can't find them in the goddamn cans okay first of all they're so good i'm getting like worked up because it's so good (laughs) i love blueberries it's one of my favorite flavor i'm actually trying to grow them this year so far i haven't gotten any berries but i'm hopeful this water literally tastes like it tastes like you just ate a mouthful of blueberries it's so
0: good i'm noticing that you didn't bring me any seltzer water i
1: actually was going to and i totally forgot I'm like, look, like, hey, this I'm- sounds really good. So you gotta be. <laughs> I will bring you. some next week so you can try this. Okay. And I'm still on the hunt for the cans because I can only find one. One. I can only find one liter bottles, and they're really popular because I bought one bottle before I went to a hair get my hair cut on Wednesday, and I was like, I need more of this. Is so this Thursday, a- I went back, and there was only two left on the shelf. Is this gonna turn
0: into a Black Friday situation where you're like punching <laughs> people in the face? You're like, no, that's my
1: seltzer water. There was a little old lady right behind me in the seltzer water aisle you like, don't take up. it, don't take it, don't take it, don't take well, it. Well, I had already taken the last two oh, bottles. Oh, good. I am a little mad at it, though, because yesterday I was sitting at work. I told you this. And I also Instagram storied it because it was ridiculous. I had this one liter bottle of water sitting on my desk all morning. I didn't get to it until, like, noon. So it's been, like, four hours, five hours. I open it up. I'm still sitting in my chair. I'm holding it over oh. myself. I open it, and it literally explodes. There's a <laughs> It was a volcano of water that came out, and it went all ah! over my lap. And I was so busy. This happened yesterday. I was so busy. I was like, I can't go home and change my pants. What am I going to do? I drove to Target and bought a pair of pants so that I could like put them. That was my life. I did break. not
0: realize that happened while you were sitting at your desk. It, yes. That's
1: it, hilarious. I was in a chair, so it literally went all over my lap. It wasn't like it looked like I peed myself. It looked sure, like I had Samantha. like an explosive, <laughs> some sort of situation. It was bad, and I was soaked. I'm like, okay, this is probably gonna dry, but I can't sit here, right? Like and I just hosed pants. myself off, so I literally had to go to Target and buy a pair of pants. But oh my god, this is—it's it. so good. I almost—I'm gonna say this better than Lacroix. <gasps> And you know, it's, it's like cheaper killing, than Lacroix. You're killing our dreams of getting the Lacroix sponsorship. That's clearly. I never... want a Polar sponsorship now, and I want them to send me the goddamn cans of this stuff because Are it's so listening? good. Are they also have Palmer? a flavor, um, orange vanilla. What? And it tastes like a, cr- a creamsicle. No. I should have brought you some of those. I have a six pack. Ah, <gasps>
0: oh, I want it right now. It that tastes so re- good. It's
1: really good. They have lots of exotic flavors. I also had the black cherry. Wasn't as impressed with that one, but. Oh, maybe that would be a good dupe for my Clearly Canadian.
0: Maybe the thing. Was, okay, so you can get Clearly Canadian now, which we talked about at some point. That was one of our first episodes we
1: talked about. Which Clearly Canadian
0: was like the the beverage of my youth. I loved nothing more than spending all my lunch money on a cookie and a Clearly Canadian. <laughs> but it's two fifty a bottle for a little bottle, right? Of Clearly Canadian. So you buy a few of those and you're out twenty bucks. Yes. So just mm-hmm.
1: though yeah try the black cherry and really try the orange vanilla it's really good oh leave all God. the blueberry for me yeah you wouldn't like it i need to go back to cub today and actually the problem with only being able to find one liter bottles is that i drink a one liter bottle a day well, and that's it's water I mean, it's water so it's good for you but then i'm like buying one liter bottles of <laughs> seltzer water <laughs> blah, 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 to chug at work you know I need. i need one i just need cans uh I'm somewhere kind of, in the state there are cans of blueberry seltzer water. Well, wait, wait, we can talk later today. Because huh. uh, I really want some
0: dreamsicle, whatever, <laughs> orange another one now. Uh, in snack news, the real reason you turned into this podcast. I recently had Jelly Bellies
1: that are flavored oh. like Krispy Kreme donuts, and they really taste like donuts. I was amazed. The ones, the sprinkle, the chocolate sprinkle jelly beans, literally taste like you're eating a chocolate sprinkle donut
0: i found I them how they do it at marshall's
1: it's even got the texture right like it, it's
0: weird think- it's it's a magic experience i highly recommend <laughs> that as well i found them at marshall's and then needed more and went to two marshall's so i could find it yeah and i should have bought more
1: they're but really good i was
0: afraid i would just eat nothing but jelly bellies <sighs> like i went up to the counter and literally like because they're in you know they do like the whole like impulse lane oh now. Yeah.
1: yeah with all that candy
0: yeah, it's got... Sometimes it has all the good stuff. It has, like, makeup, candles, whatever. That's where they were. Oh. So I literally just, like, walked into the line and then just walked up to the counter with jelly beans. And the woman was kind of like, what?
1: <laughs> so what you came to the store for?
0: Yes. Yes. You work at Marshalls. She sees it all. Can yeah, I mean, what do I care? But
1: Everyone walks into Marshalls knowing they're just going to buy a bunch of shit they don't need.
0: The smartest thing I've seen is when Marshalls and TJ Maxx started putting in a drink cooler. Because I feel like you're there so long yes. that you get dehydrated, and then you're like, I just gotta go! Because <laughs> I'm so parched. And then you just, like, ditch all the shit and, like, run out. Or you start making really bad shopping decisions, I'm not sure.
1: It's, it's but a, yeah, a toss-up. I
0: realize that I'm a little... Okay, Lenny Briscoe, fine name for a dog. I'm a little bit sad I didn't name my dog TJ Maxx. I mean... And then my new dog Marshall. It's a
1: missed opportunity.
0: I only came up with that a year too late. So you
1: got the law and order
0: theme and wah, you're wah. stuck with it.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm fine with that. Is that all we have for you today? I think so. So follow us on the social medias. <laughs> yeah, we have you know Facebook, Twitter, Twitter ever Twitter, heard of her Instagram? Instagram? Yeah, well we're on there Check and. Us out. Our Instagram stories are really just me Instagramming just... the line of the DMV, which is what I Instagrammed this morning. <laughs> you you, just... that, that's the content you can look forward to on our <laughs> social media. Get a little window into Samantha's life because she
0: runs an Instagram. I'm saying nonsense on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. It's really... There it's... was a Facebook group. We're There's selling a it. group. Join the Facebook group. Yeah, that's probably what you should be in.
1: Patreon, yes, we just did Mothman. Uh, we have some yeah. other great episodes. about You can buy ghosts. all of our shit for one dollar. You can get the backlog of Patreon episodes. We have decided what we're going to watch next month, this month. <gasps> Beyond belief, <gasps> yeah, I can't Fact or fiction? It's on Amazon, you guys. And we watched an episode last week, and holy crap, we've picked out good. a different episode that we're going to watch, and we're. Not going to find out if things
0: are fact and fiction until we're recording. Yes, and I'm excited about it's it.
1: Gonna be, there's gonna be a grand reveal. Which one did we pick? Did we pick the one about email? I think there was the mysterious something mysterious one about email. I think there was something very funny
0: in. I, we're gonna do episode four. yeah that was the email one. Uh, if you're going
1: on Amazon and do beyond,
0: look for Beyond Belief. Because also the first one doesn't have the regular host.
1: It has James Brolin for some reason. I know. So watch episode four of Beyond Belief. <laughs> Don't stop the episode before they tell you if it was fact or fiction. And then you can be revealed with us. Yes. It's, um, I think it's going to be fun. And you have to give us at least a dollar. Uh, Is that everything? I think that's everything. You can also email us at perhaps it's you at podcast. Oh, yeah. At perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. That's the one.
0: Thanks. We would love your ghost stories, your yeah. paranormal tales, your rubber stack makeout sessions you're definitely that you know the fact that you know mothman is real right why do you know that is it just because i keep telling you
1: maybe i'm sure they believe everything we say <laughs> oh god <laughs> i'm so sorry Oh, i hope not uh that's it folks we'll yeah, see you next week bye <laughs>